Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We started with this verse last week. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Perhaps, probably, in my opinion, the most significant phrase in the book of Colossians, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16 says, Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't. Kings, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Holy Spirit, as we step into this, it's just loaded with incredible truth, and we ask that you would give us wisdom to discern it, to understand it, and to apply it. Lord, already today, we just would stand before you and say, man, it's already been a good day in your house. And now we ask that you would root this scripture into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is supreme over all creation. He's the one through whom God created everything. Everything has been created through him and for him. I want us to consider the weight of those phrases, that Christ is supreme over all creation. We looked at this word last week, it's the word prototakos, which means that he's first, not prototakos, but prototokos. Um, He's first, not first as in like the first try, but first as in the most pure, perfect picture of creation. And here's the thing that, that, I, that is kind of flooring me, that God created everything through Christ. The word is dia in the Greek, and it, it means to come through. So in the syntax, it means Jesus is the proprietary channel of fabrication of all things. Anybody besides me, just that one kind of short circuits everything? Paul's statement to the Colossian church is, I want you to really understand who it is you're serving. I want you to understand who it is you're embracing. You're not just embracing a man who was a prophet who said good things. You are actually embracing the very central element to all creation. I would say it this way. Jesus was never added to the system. The created system actually came out of him. It was made through him. So all of the created cosmos in its first origin was expressed and produced from within Jesus. It's all rooted and linked to him. Now think about this, we're not just talking about the church. Paul's statement, all, in the Greek, pas, means the whole, everything. He says, everything you can see and even the things you can't see, concepts, principles, those things you can't see, authority structures, things you can't see, and then the things you can see, look around. All of it came through him originally. So Christ was first. And I want to challenge us to consider the implications of that. If he was first... He is the origin of all wisdom, all intelligence, and all understanding. So it's therefore completely, absolutely illogical for us not to put him first in every way. The verse 
we looked at last week in chapter 15, the challenge was to consider him, think about him, put him on our minds in front of every decision. And this is why, because he's the originator of wisdom and truth. So when I go to the Lord with things, I'm not adding him to my ability to reason. I'm actually pushing pause, coming to the source, the root, the purest expression of those things, and getting his answer. I'm not a kook that's learning to live mystical from the word of the Lord. I'm actually settling myself, coming back to center, back to the base of of where the origin of everything came from, and I'm sitting with the one through whom it was born out of, and saying, I want your perspective on my life, because it all began with you, came out of you, so you, above everyone else, know best. Church, we have to understand this. Because so often in our culture, we would want to add the concepts of Scripture, add the concepts of the Lord to everything in our life. And that's a mistake. To add the Lord's ideas to our ideas, in my opinion, is absolute arrogance. Instead, we come before him neutral, saying, look, we have this incredible gift. Because of your love, we have access to the originator of the plan. I just don't know if we understand the magnitude of what Paul was saying to them. Jesus, this Jesus who's living in you, the one who has poured his blood out for you, the one who has now grafted you into the body, the scriptures would say you became a new creature within him, This one is the one through whom everything came through, so you will never face a situation that he's not the greatest solution for. Well, what about this? Take it to him. No matter what you face, no matter what I face, the discipline in us, not because it has to be to be a good believer, but because we have this insane opportunity to go sit before the one who created it, it was all born out of him. I'm talking all of it, is what Paul says. Not just spiritual stuff, all of it. The trees, the rocks, all of it came out of him. The stars came out of him. And so when we sit before him, what we're saying is I'm humbling myself before the one who created it all and just saying, if there isn't guidance from you, I don't have guidance anywhere. I think to live and make determinations, decisions, and direction without considering him and sitting before him is to function out of natural order because he was first. So the most natural place for us is to be before him. Now Paul will say he holds all creation together. He holds all creation together and he drops another bomb. Not only were all things made through him, not only was he the channel things came through, He now, post the production of these things, is actually holding them together. So put your science brain on for a second. Paul's actually declaring the universe, the universes, all of it, everything, the galaxies, stars, all of it is held together by Jesus at an atomic level. So physics is a study of this reality. Anybody else like science nerds like Big Bang Theory? Yep. You can admit, I just admitted it right here. 
So put your science mind on for a second. Paul's statement is that Jesus is actually the backdrop for all creation. If he is removed, the created order disconnects and falls apart. Thanos, anybody remember that? Endgame? Please help me, I'm not the only nerd in the room. Right. So you watch what happens where they, they present this character that has infinite power with the ability to snap a finger and things disappear. Paul's statement is, without Jesus, it's impossible for creation to actually exist. I'm not talking about without the Jesus in church. I'm talking about without God, the supreme ruler of everything. If he's pulled away, it all falls apart. Okay, now let, me consider, let us consider the enemy for a second. What was his effort when Jesus was on the earth? Wow, it's not a hard question. To kill? Who? Just stay, come on. Jesus is the right back half of the answer. Front half is to kill Jesus. While Jesus is on the earth, the enemy has an agenda, and that is to take him out. Correct? We see that in the story? So what does that teach us? What the enemy was actually after was the destruction of creation and all living things. Because he knew if I can take him out, it all falls apart. So why would you and I ever partner with that? Why would we ever allow the enemy to whisper, give us guidance and advice, well, how do I know when it's the enemy? Because it's contrary to what the Lord says. It's contrary to the scriptures. There are places in our life where it's difficult to follow Jesus. It's difficult to do what he said. And we have a myriad of excuses and lists of answers as to why it's justifiable that we don't follow him. Could I suggest that all of those are a derivative of the voice of the enemy? Wow, we got quiet. Anything contrary to the scriptures is born of the enemy. It's part of his whisper. And the goal of the enemy in that whisper isn't just to deter us, it's actually to destroy us. And his effort to destroy Jesus was an effort to destroy all things created, which means he actually hates creation. So why would I ever step into the freedoms that he offers? Why would I ever work to bend the scriptures to make room for what I wanna do? If I read this, it causes me to say something different, which is, wow, you hold all things together. You're the original source of wisdom and intelligence and understanding. What I want in me then is I wanna stay as close to you, I wanna stay as pure to you as I know how, not because it makes me a good believer, but because you've loved me enough to graft me in and say, I wanna show you how to live that is awesome. I wanna show you a path that is blessed. And so I'm gonna lean into that and I'm gonna stay as close to him as I can because it's him that will save me. It's him that will lead me into all things good, pleasing, and perfect. I want you to consider some of the entitlements that the enemy whispers. 
What's an entitlement? It's that place where we can start with the sentence of, you know what, I deserve better than that. I don't need to put up with this. It's this thing the enemy will do, which is to deter us and distract us and get our eyes off of Jesus. Because, I mean, if you really think about what Jesus said, it's really, really tough to be entitled because his answer was, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many. Which means if I follow Jesus and I model my life after Jesus, then I have to be able to say this, and it's so difficult. I have to be able to say, Greg Sanders didn't wake up to be served. He woke up to serve and follow his king and give his life away. And it's brutally difficult. And the only way we do it is by sitting in front of the one who holds everything together. And saying, Lord, there's a nature that's in me. And I, man, I see it all the time. And there's a nature that's in me that I want to see all the time. Because you've put your spirit in me. You've put your grace in me. You've put this desire to love, to serve. And Paul will say in Galatians that inside of us there's a war going on. The spirit of God is constantly inviting us into his purpose and plan. Our nature is constantly inviting us into the whisper of the enemy. And we have to decide which one we're going to listen to. So I would say, why would we ever consider any thought that was rooted in our sin nature? Because it's a thought that's contrary to the Lord, and we know it's from the originator of the one who was trying to kill Jesus. He was trying to kill Jesus because Jesus holds all things together, which means he was trying to take out all life. So why would I want to strengthen his game? He already lost. The enemy played his hand at the cross. He showed his cards. He said, I am actually after death. I'm after the destruction of all things living. Could I suggest to us, he is still after the destruction of life. He is still after in our lives, whispering purposes and plans that will lead us contrary to what the Lord has for us. And if it's contrary to what the Lord has for us, no matter how alluring it is, no matter how much we think it might be the right decision, the real answer is, if Jesus says this, I'm doing this, not because I'm trying to be good, but because I'm scared of death and I want to stay life. Joshua will stand in front of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and it's an early picture of this. And he says, look, life, death. Make a choice, because it's going to change your life. If you choose death, you, you embrace the difficulties that come with it, but man, I don't want you to do that. I want you to choose life and embrace the blessings that come with it. Church, when we stay close to the scriptures and we stay close to everything that comes out of the Lord... There's nothing but blessing connected to that. Well, my life, I did it and it didn't get easy. No, I didn't say there's nothing but ease. I said there's nothing but blessing. Because Paul will say that he was glad for his difficulties. He was glad for his trials, glad for the things that were tough, because those are the places that he learned to trust Jesus. So in this way, we could look at our difficulties and our trials and say, man, they're not fun, but I'm super learning to trust the Lord in these. These are the places I'm being grown. I would say the enemy's working still to destroy what is held together by Jesus. Therefore, if we consider this, 
Obedience to Jesus and the way he teaches us to live is actually the most natural and healthy place for the created order to be. We're not doing anything superstar. We're just coming back to the place we were supposed to be. I was meant to stand in obedience to the king of glory. Because of Jesus, I can. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now fearlessly come before the throne of grace, guaranteed a glad welcome. Obedience is the choice to stay in proper alignment with the one we are held together by. It takes all the friction out of the equation. I'm just gonna go neutral, relax. Lord, you take the lead. Where you whisper, I'll go, because I trust you. I trust that your plans are good and pleasing and perfect. And, and to the level that I don't fight you, it just gets easy. I think our best harmony, our best smoothness of life, our, our most profound joy is actually found connected to the way Jesus said to live. And church, that is so contrary to what our culture believes. The scriptures, Paul will say it in Romans, there's a way that seems right to a man, to a woman, to a person, but the end of it is destruction. I think we look at that and we categorize it as, oh, that's just bad sin decisions. That's every decision. The native thing that comes out of my sin nature, if I just follow it without the government of Jesus over it, the end of that is destruction. What I love is I can sit before the Lord and say, this is what I wanna do, and this is what I feel like I should do. Can you speak into it, please? What do your scriptures say? I go study, I go learn. And then I sit down and go, okay, Lord, this is what I wanna do, this is what you said to do. Now I have a choice. Do I trust you enough to choose you? And when I think we consider all this, we're no longer bound to do right, because it's what we have to do as a believer. We're actually freed up to choose right because of his love. Because we've come to a place where we trust his love. We're like, man, I don't even understand it all, but man, you love me so much. Why would I not want to choose what you're telling me to do? Let's stand.